0: Welcome to The Intuitive Customer, where we discuss how you can improve your customer experience and your bottom line by embracing behavioral economics. And now, here are your hosts, world-renowned thought leader on customer experience, Colin Shaw, and Professor Ryan Hamilton from Emory University.
1: Because if you write down one win from the day, it doesn't matter where it came from, whether that was in your personal life or in your professional life, just write down one thing every day at the end of the day, your mind starts to focus on that thing, the things in the past. If you receive this email and you're reading it, between the hours of 10 p.m. and 6 p.m., you are not bringing your best self to work. You can expect me to respond to this during business hours.
0: I used to work at Mars, Mars Confectionery, not on the planet, but at the confectionery plate. Do people
2: get confused by that, Colin? Can we blame you for the global
1: pandemic and
2: diabetes? (laughs) (laughs) So, Colin, you recently wrote a book, yes? I did. I did. It's called, well, could you tell me what it's called? Because last time I mentioned it to you, I got it wrong. That's right. Colin's not big hung up on titles, even when they're his own titles. The title of the book is Happy Employees Make Happy Customers. And uh, the thesis, if I can summarize it briefly, is essentially that customer experience exists within an ecosystem and policies and procedures are not enough. If you really want to have great customer experiences, you need to look out for your employees. If they're happier, then they're going to provide better for your customers. So. That's easy to say, but we are living in exceptionally stressful times right now. And so I thought that it might be useful for us to to have on the podcast an expert in dealing with stress and kind of coping and managing with that because it has become such a, a more transparent part of our lives. We were talking even before we started recording here about the stresses associated with relying on technology in ways that we have not had to before to do our jobs, which was a problem because we had to to restart the recording of this podcast about four times. Um, because the technology <laughs> issues. Yeah. Yeah. So with that as a backdrop, I'd like to introduce you to uh, Dr. Carmen Mohan. Carmen, welcome.
1: Such a pleasure to be here. Thanks for having me.
2: Thank you. So a real brief introduction. Carmen is a doctor, medical doctor here in the Atlanta area. Uh, She's a doctor of internal medicine. And in addition to all of the the usual like doctor stuff, she's also uh, started a practice called Hello Health, which is, I don't know, Carmen, you're going to correct me here if I uh, mischaracterize this, but it's almost a a holistic service focused around wellness. So in addition to kind of the typical health Screening and aspects. We're also dealing with kind of like mental health and nutrition and exercise. And how am I doing on, on characterizing that?
1: <laughs> We're a comprehensive executive health and well being program. So we take care of leaders and their teams,
2: which is more or less what I said, just less articulate. <laughs> <laughs> so Carmen exists kind of in this intersection of health and wellness and leadership and and coaching a lot of of leaders and mentors about their own health. I just, I thought this would be a nice discussion that we could have. So Carmen is also a podcaster and talks about a lot of these topics and issues in more detail in her podcast, Hello Health Today. And so I I thought it would be great to have her on and talk through some of this stuff. Welcome, Carmen. Looking forward to this.
1: This is fabulous, Colin. It's good to meet you,
2: and you. And you. Let's dive right in here, Carmen. Where do you start when talking to people about stress and wellness? Are there uh, certain like sources of stress that you you tend to like kind of probe on first, or do you take a more holistic approach? Like, I, I'm super stressed out. What would be your opening to me?
1: So listen the first thing to know is that you are not alone. And so what usually happens, especially with leaders and other exceptional people, is that we feel alone in our own experience. And when we feel overwhelmed, we keep going, we push through it, and we make sure that the needs of others are being met. So that's the first thing to realize about what's going on. If you don't take a few deep breaths, and step back from the situation, you will be prone to what I call marginal thinking. And so I've borrowed that actual, I guess, phrase from the business literature, where employers think around the margins of their own businesses rather than wiping the slate clean and coming to the problem with a clean slate. So when you can't figure out where to get started, it's usually because you're thinking quite marginally around systems you had in place that used to work, that are no longer working for you or are completely disrupted by what's going on. In this case, it is a global pandemic, so you can be forgiven. But wiping the slate clean, taking a few deep breaths, and stepping back is the place to start almost every time.
0: I was talking to somebody earlier today and I said, this is my first pandemic. I've never lived through one of these before. <laughs> so I, I don't know what to do. I know what more to do the next
1: time. I mean, I think to your point, Colin, that's important. No one has experience <laughs> doing what we're doing.
0: And that's, I guess, the challenge, isn't it? It's part of the stress levels is about uncertainty and not having to have dealt with not dealing with this before.
1: I mean, it's even worse than that. There's the grief involved in what we used to have that we completely took for granted right it's the the things we missed that we have no time to process through because we really do have so many problems to solve so the stress is being created beyond whatever's going on for you personally beyond your own temperament it's being created because of the uncertainty not being able to see or even put a framework around what will happen to us in the future in conjunction with really high stakes decisions that leaders are making. And so if we want to talk about happy employees, each of us is having our own epic war on these micro scales and higher scales, depending on where you fall in the organization. So I think not being alone is actually quite helpful, even though it doesn't really tell us where we're going. I promise you that we're going to get there.
0: (laughs) Yeah, I think the interesting bit for me is that obviously that can seep through. So if you've got an employee who's talking to a customer, then that's the stress level in the employees can obviously seep through to a customer and the customer may be feeling similar amounts of stress as well, undoubtedly would be. That's not a cocktail for a good customer experience, is it?
1: Oh, it's it's the cocktail for irritability and easily lashing out at each other and not showing up how we wish we would.
0: How does a leader identify that and what do they do to help?
1: So what I recommend for leaders is to name the sources of stress. And I really do categorize sources of stress based on how we were feeling before the pandemic hit. So if you're asking yourself, like, how charged is my battery? In terms of your, your own personal energy level, before all of this current shenanigans started happening, Yeah, where was your battery even before that? Was it a hundred percent? Was it 80% or was it more like 10%, 20%? Were you already at risk for burnout because you already were at the forefront of making very fast paced decisions? So I think we need to acknowledge where our own battery levels are and start with just one or two things, really just cut this down into micro steps. And then once you're able to do it for yourself, you're able to do that for your employees.
2: After we've named the sources of stress and identified kind of our starting point, then you know you say try to carve it down into things of a more manageable size. can you give examples hypotheticals like what what would be I, I could see someone naming all their sources of stress and realizing where they were before realizing that they they started out this pandemic pretty stressed out before the world fell apart and being overwhelmed by the number of stressors that they have so, like, what's the advice on, on where to start now that I've started?
1: Sure. So now that you've got it all down on paper, so get it out of your own head and down into paper, then you can categorize the stress. Is your stress coming because the fires have to be put out? You can't slow down. The day feels really rushed. It's hard to tell if the decisions you're making are, are good ones. Is that the source of the stress? If so, Think of yourself the way we currently think of healthcare providers. Think of yourself as a first responder. The prescription for a first responder is different than if the source of stress is really coming from the boundaries between work and home completely colliding with each other. So is the stress coming because there's a whole new level of clutter because you're a mother of two children like me, with, who are now on two different school schedules, who are distance learning, and you have a whole new role as unpaid teacher's aide to two different classrooms. It's really different how I need to behave in terms of my own self-care, as opposed to healthcare care providers who are on the front line, the ER physicians who are in my practice. Or is the source of stress actually coming from, like, let's say the source of stress is coming from the employee and your empathy for the employee, because maybe like, the, the pandemic actually served you pretty well. Now you no longer have an hour and a half commute. You get back time, for example, maybe. Maybe you actually like the solitary time it provides because you live by yourself and you're an introvert. So there are those people who feel really guilty that they're actually not that stress. And the stress is coming from the empathy of other people going through really hard and scary times, maybe Almost even survivor guilt. Yes, yes, absolutely. So, I mean, it really does matter where the stress is coming from in terms of what I would prescribe for or recommend for somebody. Do you want me to go through that?
2: Yeah, I'd love to yeah. hear that. <laughs> Yeah, sounds good.
1: <laughs> so let's start with first responders then, because those are the people who maybe they were already feeling pretty low before the pandemic hit. And then this is just like a whole new level of stress.
2: So I'm going to I'm going to interrupt you quickly here to point out to the listeners. So Colin and I harp on about the importance of segmentation and grouping your customers together so you can understand them and listening to, to Carmen's podcast and and listening to her talk about this stuff. She has taken a segmentation approach. So even though I didn't advise you to do this, Carmen, as a marketing professor, it's just warming my heart so much. So she's segmented out kind of the stress market. Like These are the different roles that people are in and the approaches that they take. Please continue. So we've got our first responders. That's actually one of your kind of segments or roles. Yes?
1: Sure. Absolutely. So I love it that I'm doing something right, Ryan.
2: Oh, Yeah. (laughs) I I mean, this is my best teaching is when I can claim credit for something somebody's already doing without me. (laughs) That's where I shine.
1: Well, you know, part of the reason segmentation works, I believe, is the fact that we're not alone. We just feel alone often in our own experience. And so when we go with first responders, which a lot of people are reluctant to do if they if they're not ER physicians or physicians who are caring for patients with COVID-19, like my husband for example. But you know we're all kind of in the same boat. And once we feel like that, we're more likely to share our stories. So that's part of the reason I said, you're not alone, Ryan. Happy I'm doing something right. So just let's say like three things for someone who feels so rushed and is the stress is being dictated by the urgency of the day. What tends to happen, especially among leaders. So if this employee is a manager, for example, this person is probably not getting enough sleep. So with people who deal with urgency, what I always suggest is that the power is in the pause and the power is in protecting sleep, which is your body's most healing and restorative pause. So it's hard to sleep when things are so urgent. And believe me, if I can do this, you can do this.
0: Oh, is that somebody's alarm clock waking them up?
1: It is my alarm clock because I have to be on time because the urgency of all the decisions I make. <laughs> Sorry about that. No, that's all. But I'm, you glad so often, your, I'm
0: glad to see you're taking your own medicine.
1: You know, yeah, it's hard to take my own advice. I give great <laughs> advice. <laughs>
2: <laughs> the recording of this podcast has just been one big object lesson in stressors and time management. <laughs> and- <laughs>
1: You know, the, the truth is that none of us can be a paragon of virtue, right? No, absolutely.
2: <laughs> Carmen, I want you to know you're not alone. Um, I'm
1: not alone. Yeah.
2: <laughs> so when you
0: start talking about sleep, Carmen, I mean, that is difficult, isn't it? I mean, I, I'm I'm sitting here thinking to myself, when I've been really stressed and, you know, there's 50 million things to do and I'm nervous about something or whatever it may be, it absolutely affects how I sleep, which therefore affects your performance the next day. And the, the challenge is, how do you protect that sleep, basically?
1: Absolutely. And then you'll, you'll get in the popular literature, well, we all need to meditate or listening to soft music or all this jazz. And I would submit to you that we all need to stop trying to use our minds to fight our minds or even try to slow the mind down. And instead, we need to realize that our physical selves, our bodies, our bodies are a repertoire of things that we need to now know. And so in order to help your body actually start to sleep and do all of that emotional processing unconsciously, which is so much easier than paying a therapist $180 a week <laughs> to do it consciously, then what I'm suggesting to all leaders is that it never looks like we got enough done in the day and we all need to be able to just be able to look back and see what did get done. Is the mountain of problems is always bigger than what we feel we got done. And so we do all need to kind of shift our mindsets towards the positive intentionally so that we can start to calm down because if you write down one win from the day, doesn't matter where it came from whether that was in your personal life or in your professional life, just write down one thing every day at the end of the day. Your mind starts to focus on that thing, the things in the past. The day is over, it helps you book in the day and it'll help you fall asleep if you shift yourself intentionally into a positive frame of mind or even one of gratitude. So the way I've seen some of my executives in particular use this strategy is it was hard to think of one thing they got done. They're so inclined to think about I call it having your mind on the horizon. And in the pandemic, all you can see is a mountain range and you can't see over it, even if you made it to the next tallest peak that day. So it's not helpful. And our minds have six different ways of being negative, only two ways of being positive, all of which involves us either exercising or using our endorphins, hormonally driven, or then just write down what actually did get done, shift yourself into the past so that there's nothing left to do today. And it's a lot easier to fall asleep when you do that.
0: What is your digital or physical experience like from a customer perspective? What should you change? How do you compare against your competition? Whether you're a small, medium or large size organization, why not let me or one of the team review your digital or physical experience by undertaking what we call an experience health check. In this short and affordable engagement, we will act as a customer. And if that's not practical, we will talk to your customers and we will assess your experience against best practice. We will then provide you with a series of actionable recommendations for change. If you're interested in finding out more, just go to beyondphilosophy.com backslash check. That's beyondphilosophy.com backslash healthcheck. I'm not a medical expert, but I have to say one of the things that I find de-stresses me is doing something that occupies my mind. So I'm learning to play the guitar and it's bloody difficult. Because it's difficult, it's occupying my mind and I'm not thinking about all of the problems and issues that I have or going fishing or something like that. But I I guess the issue for me is that if you're a good leader, you should be recognizing this in your people and you should be encouraging them and giving them the space to relax and sleep uh, because they're going to be far more productive for you the next day. There's no point in just keep piling on massive deadlines and they end up falling over with stress and literally having to, stop work because of stress. And I think that's incumbent upon leaders as well, isn't it?
1: Even more, let's push that idea forward. Encourage the person who's in front of you feeling stressed out to write down the things they got done that you feel are achievements for them, instead of piling on more things to do. It's like, great, you got this task list done. Here's the next task, right? It's what very commonly what leaders are in the position to be doing. So I would just say, Reflect on what this person has done really well, because everyone needs to woo more positivity.
0: No, that's a good point. In fact, it reminds me of when I I used to work at um, Mars Mars Confectionery, not on the planet, but at the confectionery place. Do people get confused by that, Colin?
2: And think that you <laughs> Can we blame for you for the global
1: pandemic and diabetes?
2: <laughs> yeah, <laughs> Mike, I'm sorry, did you work for the Greek god Mars? No, no not, not the Greek not the I, Greek God of I Mars. I felt the okay.
0: need I felt a need to qualify it. Don't give me stress.
2: <laughs> <laughs> Man, that you turn that around. I apologize. I was clearly <laughs> in the wrong.
0: But the point I was trying to make is that um, this was uh, pre-internet days. I'm now going to show my age. My boss used to say to me, each week, I want you to write to me with the things that you've done because I was effectively out in the field and you know not in an office. And therefore, he couldn't see the things I've done. And that would be a good practice for this, wouldn't it? Just say to your team, just drop me a line telling me all the good things you've done this week. You know,
1: Absolutely. Fantastic. I love that. I'm going to start sharing it among everybody, telling them what they need to do for their employees. Fantastic just don't tell them the
0: that bit that about Mars because, I mean, maybe, that's, maybe that didn't work exam.
1: so well. Well, you know, Colin, <laughs> you mentioned playing the guitar as something that helps your mind rest, actually, by giving it something else to do. I love that idea because the the hallmark of rest is actually the lack of productivity. So it's joy-inducing to hear the music, potentially, depending on how good you are, um, well,
0: you wouldn't say that if you heard <laughs> me play, but but I'm getting there. <laughs> <laughs>
1: um, I was talking about bookending sleep. And so the thing to also remember about sleep is not just what you do at the end of the day to calm your mind and shift towards the positive, but also what you've decided you're going to do first thing in the morning. So it's really easy for people to say, oh, it's so important to put yourself first, but I commonly see people not putting themselves first. So they wake up to this alarm, typically their phone that they use as an alarm. And the first thing that their minds see is like all the email that they missed, all of the text messages, et cetera. And so they start their day in a rush. So this is, we're talking about first responders and urgency being a problem. I strongly encourage you to put yourself first every day and decide what is really enjoyable that brings energy to you first thing in the morning. So the first thing in your in the morning, five minutes, 10 minutes, it doesn't matter how long, you're going to do something that you really enjoy that brings energy to you. I've seen that be as little as three deep, big yoga breaths before you grab the phone. Or I've seen that be something much more enjoyable, like a pour-over with coffee out in the deck that's so beautiful and you watch the birds, you know. So the point of this would be the first thing that you're going to do is not go meet the needs of other people. And so your brain, it allows the mind to rest in a more deep sleep. And so it brings more healing energy to you when your mind is given the permission to fall deeply asleep because it's not going to be woken up abruptly, expected to respond.
2: I've actually started to hear people talk about abandoning their cell phones as an alarm. I mean, we all do it because it's just so convenient. But, you know, to the point that you're making, I mean, it, it can serve as a distraction at night, of course, when it's right by your bedside. But it also, it serves so many functions that there's a real danger in using the alarm function because it comes bundled with everything else. And so I've, I've heard of people deciding to leave their phone charging in another room and go back to the old-fashioned alarm clocks that we all grew up with for some of the reasons that you're you're talking about, Carmen?
1: Um, That's fantastic. We all need to just de-digitize the bedroom so that it's actually a restful place, because especially for a first responder, the entire environment suggests go, go, go some more and does not signal us to slow down and, and stop. Basically, we deal with stress by we need to add back what's missing. And what's missing for someone who responds to urgency is pause. And the best pause that I could encourage you to do if time is really at a premium is to truly invest in sleep. And by that, I mean, offer yourself an eight hour sleep opportunity every time you can.
2: Bringing this back around to employees, it has become disturbingly common for us to fetishize exhaustion and to have that become kind of a status symbol and and a signal of how how hard we're working and how valuable we are. So, I guess are we providing that opportunity to our employees to the extent that we can without getting too involved in their personal lives or are we setting schedules and expectations that don't even give them the chance?
1: I think with leaders, the best thing that you could do for your team to encourage them to invest in sleep would be actually set up an out-of-office message that goes off at say 8 p.m., 9 p.m. on the time that your team functions in that basically says, if you receive this email and you're reading it, between the hours of 10 p.m. and 6 p.m., you are not bringing your best self to work. You can expect me to respond to this during business hours.
2: So lead by example in that way, yeah.
1: Yeah, because the eight players always respond.
0: (laughs) I have heard of people who have said, okay, I'm turning all of my cell phone and everything else off between this time and this time so you can't get hold of me, basically. And I think that's a good practice because, and and that's more about family time and all the rest of it. But the trouble is now is, whilst I I love working at home and everything else, the danger is, is that you don't have that decompression time, do you? When I used to travel into to London back in the day, you'd go on the train and that was a sort of a bit of a decompression time. But now the great thing is I'm working at home. The the bad news is I'm working at home and you can work anywhere, basically.
1: The option to work 24-7 is a real problem for A players, especially those who are your jugglers. So if we move on to the second segmentation, we talk about the stress coming from the option just when the edges bleed, where you basically interruptions are the major problem, because it's not just work interrupting you, but also say kids or whoever you're living with, or just the constant toggling back and forth wearing so many hats, while there are no physical boundaries, and no time based boundaries. It's a real problem for working mothers It's a real problem for anyone who is a caretaker of others. So being aware of that as a leader is helpful and helping an employee reconstruct the decompression time now that they miss traffic, right? Here in Atlanta, working moms miss traffic. There's no decompression time. They used to do it (laughs) in the car. So, I mean, if you're finding like you're really resonating with that or that that's the category of stress, what I'm asking is that everybody put that back in by getting enough sun and solitude. So if one of the problems is you're never alone because of where you're working and living, then getting out of the house and going for a 45 minute walk outside by yourself, it's really helpful.
0: Yeah, no, it makes an awful lot of sense.
1: I think we minimize walking. Walking has been proven biologically to help our brains think. And I would say some people are getting too much time alone, especially those who live by themselves. So the other way to use that 45-minute walk every day would be to call someone you really love, who cares about you, has nothing to do with how productive you are. That breaks the solitude that you actually don't need.
0: No, good point.
1: There's one more segment, which is people who are weather veins. So let's say the sources of stress are actually the stress of others. So you're a really empathetic person. Your own life is going well, but you have kind of this survivor guilt idea going on. In that case, that is where I recommend that you start to invest in things that help you be in the present, as opposed to thinking about the past and having the time to grieve it, or looking to the future, which seems so uncertain. And so the idea there is just to practice being in the now where things are pretty good. So things that help us do that are journaling, especially stream of consciousness, journaling, yoga, meditation, even stretching our bodies out, help our bodies, help our minds.
0: Does that sort of encompass? I've not done this, but does that encompass mindfulness?
1: Absolutely. Mindfulness helps us practice being in the here and now. What I'm suggesting to everyone is that these are sequential steps that add on. So if you're overwhelmed, you're going to protect your sleep by bookending sleep. If you are a juggler and you're being constantly interrupted, you're going to replace that walk onto your schedule every day. And if things are coming from not being in the here and now, mindfulness is very helpful.
0: Right. One last question for me. What advice would you give a leader then in identifying this? I mean, the danger is that the leader is probably getting more problems from his or her boss and trying to protect their team at the same time. So how does the boss cope with both of those stresses of trying to protect the team, but also trying to please their boss above them?
1: (laughs) So listen, everybody needs help now with strategies that work. And so... Whether it is that you're funding employee wellness, so say reimagine lunch as a time to really connect and be creative about how you invest in your people, you can do this all at once. So at Hello Health, we do offer workshops that put everybody on the same page. So everyone gets the same mini workbook in over 45 to 60 minutes. We can help your team go through this for themselves. If you're not taking care of yourself and you're not following these steps, you can't expect anyone on your team to do the same. And even though it feels like you can't take the time to do it, I promise you you'll burn out if you don't.
0: Sure. It's the classic example of actions speak louder than words. You can oh, yeah, You can tell and, people you know, to do this, but yeah. if they don't see you doing it as well, then they don't think it's real, basically.
1: I'm an internal medicine physician, so I see the consequences of not taking this advice in my clinic every day. Let's just just say you have to please your boss. Your boss is going to be quite displeased if you cannot continue producing fantastic work.
0: Sure, no, I, I totally agree. Any last tips? So, you know, I think we've dealt with them a number of them as we've gone, which has been good. But any last thoughts on what people should do, particularly in these times of needs or have we, have we coped with them?
1: So the last tip I would say is just when you're looking at your work schedule, put yourself onto your work schedule. And I would suggest that you do that first. So as you look, I know that the calendar gets built out essentially, you know, somewhere between two and three months in advance on what demands you'll be meeting. So look inside that time and put yourself on it, put the pauses on it before you allow other people to use your time because your time is the most valuable resource. And if you don't make time for yourself, you will never be included.
2: Yeah, no good piece of advice. Ryan, anything you want to add? I was going to ask, Carmen, about advice specifically dealing with troublesome podcast co hosts and the stress <laughs> they so Maybe we can handle that Carmen, you, you are later. kind of
1: a menace. Um, <laughs> I know.
2: Know. Yeah, we, we don't have a lot of time uh, left. Well, so you certainly you don't, don't have enough time to deal with that one, mate. Yeah. I'll tell you that for nothing. <laughs> <laughs> no, this was really helpful. So, I, Carmen has all kinds of information and she's generously agreed to give us some. PDFs, some printouts that we'll post to the blog and, and to other places so that people can access more information about this. And if you're interested in, in listening more, I, I do recommend the Hello Health Today podcast. I've told Carmen this before, jokingly, but she has the most soothing voice. So it also works as like, <laughs> you know, an, a nighttime thing if, if you need to de-stress and uh, just listen to her talk about health. I mean, in, in terms of like takeaways... It struck me as we were talking today that there's a lot of platitudes that we can drop about, you know, taking care of your employees and and how all of these things are interconnected and matter. But to what extent are, are we actually facilitating that? Like, are, are we matching our actions to our words? Like, if you believe that your employees need to be happy, do some self-examination. What are you doing to facilitate your employees' taking time for themselves or encouraging these moments of reflection or accommodating the frantic last minute changes in scheduling that everybody's going to have to deal with for the foreseeable future and that we should no longer treat as emergencies and start to treat as just a part of the workday to ease some of the stress on people's schedule. So my encouragement is if you say that this matters to you and to your employees, step up make these changes and, and allow for this kind of accommodation.
0: Yeah, I, I, I agree. I think it's vital. I mean, at the end of the day, you can't provide a great customer experience unless you've got great people who are engaged and want to be working. If they're full of stress, if they're, they're not sleeping properly, et cetera, et cetera, that's just the recipe for disaster. You've got to think about it from that customer perspective as well. So Carmen, this has been really, really good. If if people want to get hold of you, how do they do that?
1: Well, it's really easy. I'm just carmen at hellohealthtoday.com. So you can email me directly. If you're interested in listening to our podcast, you have to smush the hello and the health together as if it were one word, then a space and place today after that. So we're available anywhere you get your audio. And then please look us up if you are looking to really engage your team and you'd like something for all of you. Uh, we're hellohealthtoday.com.
0: Thank you very much. I'm just about to go off and have a word with Ryan about him talking to me about the, having
2: some problems with his co-host. I don't know who that can be. Hey, um, you de-stress your way. I distress <laughs> by embarrassing you in front of others. Like don't, don't step in the way of my, my house. <laughs>
0: Thanks a lot. Good. All right, everybody. Nice talking to you. Talk to you next week. Cheers.